Welcome to the first Monday Morning Memory Wipe. I'm your host, Craig Price, and we hope you'll enjoy what we here at Stolen Droids have put together for you. It's time to comb through the clutter and identify what you need so you can delete the rest and start your week with a clean slate. Priority one is where we get to the most important stories, but in this case, since this is our first episode, indulge us as we use it to remind you now to subscribe to the YouTube playlist at Stolen Droids. Follow Memory Wipe on Twitter, Morning Memory Wipe on Instagram, and if you have something to say, contribute, or just to drop a happy note, we're morningmemorywipe at gmail.com. Now on to the rest of our priorities. Life is slowly getting back to normal as vaccinations are becoming more widespread, leading to less restrictions. And the world, especially Southern California, waited with bated breath as Disneyland officially reopened last Friday, April 30th. Early in the week, Disneyland prepared for the opening by having a live stream of the lighting of the Sleeping Beauty Castle on Monday night. But the opening isn't as simple as lighting up the castle and opening up the gates. Due to the ongoing pandemic, the park must meet certain state requirements and it also has implemented certain rules of its own. That means for now, both Disneyland and Disney's California Adventure will be reopening with limited 25% capacity. It'll have a new theme park reservation system, which will require guests to obtain a reservation for park entry in advance. This is to keep visitor numbers in check and promote social distancing. Also per their website, Disneyland has said only California residents may visit the parks until further noticed. One of the unexpected consequences of the new state restrictions has caused the massively popular Rise of the Resistance ride to be shortened to follow COVID-19 safety protocols. California guidelines currently state that all indoor rides must be limited to no more than 15 minutes, meaning that the 18-minute ride will have to find places to trim down, unlike the movie Rise of Skywalker. They also suggested that single rider lines be reduced or even eliminated, as they often place people from different households together in one vehicle. While the main plot of Rise of the Resistance will remain, the ride will cut out some dwelling points where riders have to wait or walk around. As per the Los Angeles Times, this could include the segments when visitors are waiting to be interrogated by the First Order's leader Kylo Ren, or when they're allowed to linger before a unit of stormtroopers in a Star Destroyer's hangar bay. There's also a speech at the beginning of the ride where Rey explains everything that's going on, which has reportedly been eliminated. But regardless, the main takeaway point is Disneyland is opening, and hopefully it's a step in the right direction. With the Oscars happening Sunday the 25th, Hollywood quickly turned to looking forward as a slew of movies were announced either in production or in development. But most were either sequels or spin-offs. The Hollywood Reporter had reports that Legendary is opening up early talks for the director Adam Wingard to return for at least one more MonsterVerse sequel. The $400 million worldwide box office pretty much ensured a sequel was going to happen, and one title being mentioned is Son of Kong. Adam Wingard is said to be in discussions for this, but his plate is full with more reboots and sequels to John Woo's Face Off, as well as a live-action Thundercats film. Oversized animals became a theme last week as Jason Statham told Collider that Meg 2 would be filming in January. We're going to start shooting in January if we get my dates right. Ben Waitley's the director. I'm very excited to be working on I'm thrilled to be going. It's going been a while. We've been waiting around for the right trips to come in and the right thing. We've all got these things and we've all sort of stacked up now. And in the last of Big Deadly Monster news, the Game of Thrones Twitter feed announced production has started and offered up pictures of the table read for House of Dragons. House of the Dragon tells the story of the Targaryen family in Westeros and is set 300 years before the events in Game of Thrones. It stars the likes of Olivia Cook, Matt Smith, Patty Considine, Reese Iffens, and others. House of the Dragon premieres in 2022, and I'm sure this is going to be a great series right up until the end. And then they'll phone it in. In podcasting news, the magnificent Jeff Goldblum is voicing one of the five player characters in the improvised audio drama Dark Ice, where the outcome of the story is determined by the faded rolling of dice. Goldblum will play elven sorcerer Balmor, who is searching for his missing daughter's locket. Yes, 
I said lock it, on the upcoming season of the audio series. The podcast will have immersive soundscapes, a diverse international cast, and an original soundtrack featuring an orchestra of over 30 medieval instruments and a live choir singing Infernal, Icelandic, and Elvish. Another property based on a game, Vampire the Masquerade, is being developed for the World of Darkness universe. Married writer producers Eric Hessier and Christine Boylan and production company Hivemind have partnered with game publisher Paradox Interactive to develop the World of Darkness story universe for film and television. The popular tabletop game launched spin-offs like Wolf the Apocalypse, Mage the Ascension, Wraith the Oblivion, and Changeling the Dreaming. The worlds combined in 2004 as the rebooted Chronicles of Darkness and then renamed again to the World of Darkness in 2011. Universal Pictures and Working Title have an updated feature version of The Borrowers in development based on the Mary Norton book series of the same name. If you don't remember the 1997 version, The Borrowers was an action-adventure that follows a family of tiny people who live secretly in the walls and floors of an English house and borrow from the big people in order to survive. And speaking of legacy sequels, no one has asked for the Flintstone sequel series from Warner Brothers Animation is officially in development at Fox with Elizabeth Banks attached to star and executive produce. The animated series, titled Bedrock, is set 20 years after the events of the original series, with Banks voicing an adult Pebbles Flintstone. And finally, for just a little pick-me-up, Amazon announced this week that they will renew Invincible for two more seasons. Based on the Skybound image comic by Walking Dead creator Robert Kirkman, as well as Corey Walker and Ryan Otley, Invincible is an hour-long animated superhero show that revolves around a typical 17-year-old kid, Mark Grayson, with the exception that his father is the most powerful superhero on the planet, Omni-Man. But as Mark develops his own powers, he discovers that his father's legacy might not be as heroic as it seems. Full-time actor, part-time hero Tom Cruise was in the news again this week. No, he wasn't screaming at crew members and yelling at noisy trees. While filming on a moving steam train for Mission Impossible 7 at the North Yorkshire Moors Railway on Thursday, a cameraman slipped only to have Tom grab him before things could get worse. Sure, the camera operator was harnessed, but I'm sure that the pure aura of Tom's greatness nudged him just a bit, only to have Tom come to get his rescue. With theaters opening up across the country, Universal wanted to do something to fuel the summer hype. Diesel fuel, that is. Dad jokes are here. Starting Friday, April 30th, every subsequent Friday until June 18th, the theaters will show all eight Fast and Furious movies leading up to the summer release of F9 for free. Called Fast Fridays, moviegoers can see all eight films in order, starting with the original at movie chains like AMC, Regal, and Cinemark, as well as 500 other theaters across the country. And our last priority is proof that no matter how good you might be, someone somewhere just doesn't like you. Citizen Kane, the Citizen Kane of movies, had a perfect score at Rotten Tomatoes, but that could not stand. Thanks to a recently unearthed 1941 Chicago Tribune review, written under the pseudonym used by the newspaper at the time, May Tenay, or matinee, the king of cinema was taken down a peg. The review, found by the website Archival Project, can only be viewed as a scanned newspaper clipping. You've heard a lot about this picture. I see by the ads that experts think it'll be the greatest movie ever made. I don't. It's interesting. It's different. In fact, it's bizarre enough to become a museum piece. But its sacrifice of simplicity to eccentricity robs it of its distinction and general entertainment value. Well, nobody's perfect. <laughs> Except Paddington 2, which is now the highest rated movie on Rotten Tomatoes with 200 45 positive reviews, and not one naysayer to be found. We'll be back right after this. Announcing the Utah Remote Con. Coming May 10th to the 22nd, this event will be two weeks worth of panels, which will all be virtual. And all profits go to the Juvenile Diabetes Foundation, a very worthy cause that helps those affected by type 1 diabetes. Follow Utah Remote Con on all social media, and we hope to see you May 10th to the 22nd.
when life's problems are too big for one person, you can't be afraid to ask for help, which is why we're calling in some tech support. From the Stolen Droids Network's popular podcast, Movies That Make Us, and the Multiplane podcast, she can be heard weekday mornings, 5 to 9 a.m., ouch, on 98.7 with Val and Mike in the morning in Salt Lake City, Valerie Cameron. And she's a YouTuber and filmmaker you can follow at The World According to Tammy on Instagram. But more importantly, you can catch her this Tuesday on Matinee Heroes Presents Cast Off for her debut, Tammy Anderson. <laughs> Ladies, welcome to the show. Let's start with something we didn't cover in the opening but has been buzzing throughout the week, the Oscars. Uh, not the winners and losers, but the viewers. They barely got 10 million. 10.4 million people tuned in, and that is an all-time low for Hollywood's biggest night by a huge margin. Huge, huge margin. In fact, it's a drop of about 58% in terms of audiences from where they were from last year's pre-pandemic February 9th show. So in terms of the key demo, down 64%, is is it the show itself? Is it the lack of movies in 2020? Is it the political people who are just thinking that the Oscars are too woke and I'm not going to turn in? Valerie, what do you think is the cause for all this and, and what can we do? I think there's a few reasons for this one. I do think that, you know, not a lot of people were really connected to a ton of movies last year. Yes, you can now stream more of the Oscar nominated movies at home, but I think people miss going to the theater. They get excited about the movies. They get connected to the movie makers, the characters. But I also think that it's just not connecting to audiences anymore. It's like us older millennials, you know, Gen Xers and up kind of still care about this maybe. But the younger millennials into the Zennials, they care about the TikToker celebrities. They care about people they can get to instantly. And these movies that are being nominated as I think they're good, but I'm a small percentage. I mean, I'm a film critic. I'm, I'm supposed to care about these movies. I don't think anyone else cares about these movies that are being nominated because most of the time people care more about the big blockbuster hits than these other movies that get nominated every year. So I just think I think it's time to either change or let go. Now, Tammy, would you think that the complete lack of not blockbusters, but just movies in general caused people not to pay attention to any movie at all? Because I, I, I don't think I went to the movies that much or watched too many because I just looked online and when I'm seeing Oscar movies for $20 to watch at home, uh, I feel like I'm in 1986 when you used to get VHS tapes for 75 bucks. Oh, yeah. Um, I. I could not tell you any of the movies that were nominated because they were not on my radar. I watched, you know, I mean, last year was in particular, I was watching a lot of stuff that was like exciting and trying to get me through that emotional low that was 2020. But again, I'm going to agree with Val that, you know, I have a 19 year old who watches a ton of stuff and is a consumer of media but couldn't care less about the movies. It's um, a lot of YouTube, K-pop, TikTok. That's, that is where people are consuming media. And, you know, and I think there's this, you know, if you think about some of the movies that have been considered like blockbusters, you know, Avengers and everything, all those superhero films, they're not getting nominated, but those are the films that people are watching. And there's this disconnect, you know, was it, um, I can't remember who the director was that said, 
they're not artistic. And I'm like, mm, I, I, I beg to disagree because they are where we're going these days. So how can it be solved as far as an Oscar ceremony goes? Is it something that we do like the Emmys did? Because I thought the Emmys had a very successful show. Uh, it's, they were able to streamline it, uh, get things going, where the Oscars, it, it just seems like it was a boring, awful show, and the Oscars are boring and awful in general with only highlights. So, uh, Tammy, do you have a fix? Uh, the big thing for me is, like, shorten it up like it's i'm a fan of films and i like you know i've watched the oscars but it was just like why i'm not connecting to anybody there's 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 a disconnect with um they're not listening to their audience every year they're like it's too long it's too boring and the producers are just not listening they're they're like oh this is highbrow this is how we have to make it and they're they're not talking to the audience. So, Valerie, what can we do? I do think that they tried to fix a lot of that this year. I did um, really like the outline of the show. I like the fact that they did it at a new location where people were closer to the stage. So it didn't take them 20 minutes unless you were an A-lister to walk to the stage. So I liked the smaller venue. Um, I liked that the red carpet was smaller. And I did like they did something this year that they don't usually do because I do like not having a host and I do like having other people come in and really spreading out the fun um, and the hosting abilities. But they went around with the nominees and they actually told you fun facts about the nominees. And I really liked that because sometimes you're like, I don't know who this person is. I love watching the Oscars, but I love that they did it shorter, but I think they did it. They changed this format on a year where a lot of people weren't watching because of politics. A lot of people weren't watching because they just don't care this year. This is not high priority on their list. So I think if they go back, they do a similar format in a shorter show um, in this smaller venue. And they really try and make these celebrities and filmmakers that seem untouchable, touchable. You've got to get to the TikToker like generation. Because now, even though I, I love this. We're all so used to this instant gratification on our phones that we don't really need to watch the show to see what's going on with celebrities because celebrities are telling us every day on Instagram. And so I think if they if they understand more of what we're doing and what we're watching and they move to that format, I also think they need to get more people, a different set of people voting on these films. I did like the films this year, but I do think they're still stick sticking to the same like, I know when a movie comes out, that's a formula Oscar movie. You know what I mean? There's no surprises. Surprise me. Get me excited. They also bet a huge bet on putting lead actor at the end of the show, hoping, crossing their fingers, it was going to be Chadwick Boseman. And that just sunk that ship. So, uh, like, they tried to be exciting, but they bet on something they they shouldn't have bet on. It, and they it, it was almost craven. It's not a word yeah. I use often, but it's they were using the legacy of a beloved, passed on, dearly departed actor who didn't win. Uh, yeah. And you would think that the Oscars, I know that Price Waterhouse Cooper, no relation, would uh, at least tell them, you know, these are the winners. So they could, if they're going to do that, they know in advance. Uh, I was shocked. And I also, one thing I did like is they didn't really play anybody off. Um, I, yeah. don't, I don't think they played anyone off. And honestly, the winning is the most human part of the show. 
and especially when it's the core, it's that that l- actress from Korea who got to meet Brad Pitt for the first time. I, I love mean, her so much. I want her to be my grandpa. Absolutely. <laughs> Everybody likes that stuff, and to eliminate it uh, during a regular telecast is crazy. Uh, the yeah. one and one thing they did one time that I really liked is they one year they had a fellow actor introduce the person uh, when they did the nominations. So it was kind of like uh, like a um, not a eulogy, but almost a uh, here's a testimonial about how great this person is as a human being. Now yeah. here's that that's why they're nominated. But we're going to move on to Disneyland is open again here in California, just down the road from where I am. It's it's opening. I can feel the heat uh, as we talk <laughs> about it. Uh, but it's opened in limited capacity, so it's we're getting closer to normal. But uh, Tammy, I'll ask you this, and without getting political, because I I don't know any either one of your political leanings. Is it too soon or is it not soon enough for things to open like that? Um, everyone's treating the pandemic like it's over, but it's not. We still need people to be, you know, vaccinated more than. And so as much as I would love to be able to go to Disneyland or, you know, I'm not feeling safe because too many people are still not treating things nicely totally you know what i mean yeah. it's <laughs> and and valerie i know that you have uh safely and with under the right protocols have traveled quite a bit uh what do you think about uh, mm-hmm. disneyland opening now i really i think they've waited i think california waited a good amount of time i do think at some point they're gonna have to reopen because we need to figure out how to start doing this again. And I think Disney just, I drink the Disney Kool-Aid. Everybody knows this, but I also have been running events for half of my life and I worked for Disney and I do know that they really try and just dot the I's and cross the T's and we have to start figuring out what works and doesn't work. So I love the fact that they did a whole bunch of just cast um, openings where they had cast and crew and family come in where they tested things out and now they're doing a, a slow open with um, you know people in California and people that had tickets from last year so they're still at 50% capacity and they have a lot of protocol and somebody just can't show up and buy a ticket and go in so I think what they're doing is good I'm glad it's opening now it's in the warm weather it's outside they have protocols and what this is going to do is it's going to allow other companies to look at what they're doing and say, okay, this is working, this isn't working. Because if you're going to learn from anyone, you might as well learn from the biggest, you know, um, amusement park company in the world. And Disney has a lot to lose if they fail because people try and sue them from stubbing their toe. So you can believe that they have gone through red tape. And if something goes wrong, they fix it right away. So I'm glad it's open. Um, and I'm happy to see things going in the direction of how do we live our lives now safely and still have fun. Well, my next question is a very local question uh, directed to both of you. You're both living in Utah. We all, all three of us, are neck deep involved in Fan X, and I have confidence in the people who run the actual show. But is the state of Utah ready for a big event in September? Tammy. Um. I check the COVID numbers daily still. Um, our numbers of vaccines, uh, the vaccinations are really going up. We definitely have a smaller population than California. Um, so I think the higher, we have a higher percentage um, 
of people getting vaccinated and the number of cases are definitely dropping. So I think that's a really good sign. By the time of September, I think we'll actually be in a pretty good place. Um, I like that Salt Lake still has, uh, Salt Lake County is still kind of got the mask mandate, um, even though the rest of the state of Utah um, has uh, let it lapse. But I like the place I work still has masks through June. So I think as we're opening, at least Salt Lake, at least my impression of Salt Lake County is, I think by the time uh, September comes around, we'll be in a good place. Well, what do, you, uh, do, you, do you think the state will be? Because like I said, I have full confidence I, that Dan Farr and everybody are going to do what they yeah, can. Yeah, as but. far as the event, I feel like, you know, they're going to do the best they can to to do things. But I happen to know just because I pay attention, um, you know, to things that go around in our nerdy community, that there is a big um, portion of our nerdy community that thinks that masks are have never been important and that they shouldn't have to get a vaccine. And so just paying attention to that, it is a little bit um, uh, high on my radar that we're going to be inviting all of those people to a convention center that's locked in this room that most of us get con cred from every year. Um, and, and Utah is actually in like, as the nation, um, getting their vaccines as states, Utah's really low. We're still at, at 10 to 15% of, of everyone having double doses of our shots. So I'm hoping that a lot of people are going to get past this because right now, last week, it was reported that a lot of people aren't getting their next shot. Okay. Mm -hmm. I got one and now I'm not going to go get the second. I'm good now. And we've got that, you know, don't be afraid of that second shot. You're halfway there. You've got to go get it. Um, and we still now have, I, I still walk into places that are really close knit and people just aren't wearing their masks. So I do think that um, FanX has their work cut out for them um, on trying to get half, at least half of um, their commerce that's coming through the door, including um, vendors to actually follow protocols and wear masks. Um, I hope they can do it because you know, I want us to be able to get together as nerds and to have these fun things um, in September. If we can cross our fingers for for good weather, we can open up a lot of those doors in the Salt Palace and get some really good ventilation through. I know that that venue pretty well, but I I I hope that Utah will wake up and get so that come September we are at the fifty percent mark. But right now, looking at how people are just not getting those vaccine vaccines. Um, Eh, I don't know that Utah's going to be where nationally, you know, where everyone else is going to be. It's like us in three southern states that have the lowest mark of people getting vaccin vaccinated statewide and getting that second dose. And so I don't know what we need to do, but, you know, maybe Dan Far needs to say, you know, like, we're going to hold off your nerd until you get that vaccine. They won't. They won't. They won't. But, you know, it's. Yeah, I don't think that Utah will be all the way ready to the point where I'm I'm going to wear a mask at the event, um, even though I'm double vaccinated. Um, but, you know, I hope other people take the precautions that they need to. Uh, absolutely. And uh, one of the things is hygiene is suspect in the best of times <laughs> at a convention. So, uh, yeah, I I like I said, I, I'm going to go. I, I've been looking forward to going. Uh, I know it's one of the best events in the country because I do travel mm -hmm. and get to see a lot of these events. And mm -hmm. they put on a top-notch show. And I do want to remind folks that tomorrow on May the 4th, 
they have a press conference. They're going to be having a whole bunch of announcements. I don't know what they are, but uh, usually they don't uh, announce a press conference unless they have a bunch of great names to say. So, And that'll only just be the, pe- the beginning. So I'm looking forward yeah. to it. But we're going to move on to someone I know believes in masks. I know so much that he will go off because we're going to talk about Tom Cruise. He's saving lives on the set one day and then screaming and raving at crew the next. Uh, with so many things swirling around him personally and professionally, uh, I guess this is the one question. Is Tom Cruise a hero or a villain? Tammy. You would ask me first. Um, I think he's a mixed bag. He's never been one of my favorites. Um, I understand why he was yelling at the crew because it was COVID stuff, but it's like, you're supposed to be professional. So, you know, and the whole saving the camera operator is like, Okay, so are we, as consumers of media, so requiring stunts to, like, up the ante of all of our stunts that we're actually putting people into danger, you know, especially people who aren't necessarily trained as stuntmen. That's um, true, because Tom Cruise does all the stunts, but someone's got to film it, so they've got to be on the train as well. Uh, he was yeah. harnessed in, so we'll say that. He was harnessed in. So he probably wouldn't have fallen off the train, but it could have gotten a lot worse. Uh, Val, are you a big Tom Cruise fan? I mean, I enjoy most of his movies. I do think he is a little of a particular person, but I think all of us are weird in our own ways. I, for me, because of the job that I have, I always want to say, well, where, what happened before and after this situation? Because I have been vilified or you know, hero put in this hero section because of little things that people get of something that I did without seeing the whole thing. Um, I do think that in, in Tom Cruise's mind, he is his own hero. I do think he thinks a lot of himself, but I do think that he does think a lot of his crew. And I don't know if he had to yell at those people or talk to them nicely four times before he finally had to yell at them again to put their masks back on because I was on set of a movie a year and a half ago or a year ago um, for Hallmark and you literally will, they will stop the production if you don't put your mask on and then, you know, take it off at the right time, put it back on. So you're costing money, you're costing time. And if you're the head, if you're the lead actor and you're like getting ready to go and these people over here are messing it up, I'd yell at them too. I'm sorry. Like, there's only so much professional you can do for idiots. And if they were being that way, then in this instance, I think he was the hero of the moment. I always know that Tom Cruise, whether you love him or hate him, he is going to give 100% uh, on screen. And, I mean, the guy's jumping off buildings and breaking ankles and continuing shooting. He is not phoning it in. But two people that did phone in today but are true heroes, Valerie, Tammy, Thank you so much. We really appreciate the tech support today. Last week has come and gone, and tomorrow is just another day. But let us look at some things to look forward to as we optimize the week ahead. Today, May 3rd, is Paranormal Day. Celebrate the things that go bump in the night the cold spots in your house, or a door that slams shut, which makes it a great day to wish psych star Dulé Hill a happy birthday. Also sharing a birthday today is Palm Clementif, better known as Mantis from Guardians of the Galaxy. Tomorrow is a big day. May the 4th be with you. 
Star Wars Day kicks off with the Disney Plus premiere of the animated show The Bad Batch. Who are The Bad Batch? They're Clone Force 99, also known as The Bad Batch, a group of elite clone troopers with genetic mutations that were first introduced in Star Wars The Clone Wars, taking on daring mercenary missions in the aftermath of The Clone Wars. Dave Filoni is in charge, so sit back, relax, and enjoy. It's in good hands. And end the day with cast-off as Tammy Anderson and Elizabeth Rapp recast Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Head over to matineeheroes.com slash castoff to subscribe to the video feed. May 4th birthdays include the great Will Arnett, voice of Lego Batman, character actor Richard Jenkins, and astronaut wannabe Lance Bass. Wednesday, May 5th is Cinco de Mayo. Celebrate with a cerveza and some tacos, but more importantly, support a Mexican-American business today. Feliz cumpleaños to Superman Henry Cavill. Sala and Gimli portrayer John Reese davies everyone's favorite British villain Richard E. Grant, and longtime sci-fi actor Lance Henriksen. Thursday, May 6th is World Password Day, so change your password from 11111 to 22222, and all will be well for another year. George Clooney turns 60. Wow, we are all getting older. And the Orville's Andrea Palecki celebrates her 38th birthday. Friday, May 7th is No Pants Day. Use this day wisely, or Saturday might be Out on Bail Day. Guy Ritchie's Wrath of Man premieres in theaters, Starring Jason Statham, Scott Eastwood, Josh Harnett, and Post Malone, the rated R movie is about a mysterious and wild-eyed new security guard for a cash truck as he surprises his co-workers when he unleashes precision skills during his heist. The crew is left wondering who he is and where he came from. Soon, the Markman's ulterior motive becomes clear as he takes dramatic and irrevocable steps to settle a score. Jupiter's Legacy hits Netflix. Josh Duhamel leads the sweeping saga of power and loyalty based on the graphic novels by Mark Millar and Frank Quietly. And the second episode of Star Wars The Bad Batch comes out on its regular Friday slot moving forward. And a happy birthday to SNL star A.D. Bryant. Saturday, May 8th is Give Someone a Cupcake Day. Email mondaymemorywipe at gmail.com with your Sprinkles online gift cards. You can also send a birthday cupcake to legend and naturalist Sir David Attenborough. He's 95 years old. That's more than twice the age of Stephen Amell, who turns 40. Sunday is May 9th, Mother's Day. If you haven't done it yet, get off your butt and give your mom something. She didn't carry you in her body for nine months for you to ignore her on her day. Rosario Dawson, Billy Joel, and Depeche Mode's Dave Gahan also celebrate their birthdays, hopefully with their moms. The internet took its usual staid and measured response to Cars Lightning McQueen designed Crocs that sold out within minutes after going online. The shoes first debuted back in 2019 and sold out quickly. On Tuesday, a new lot was made available at 9 a.m. Pacific, and at 9.47, the official Crocs Twitter account announced they had sold out. Response raged from despair. If I don't get, like, Lightning McQueen Crocs, I would, like, machow myself off a bridge. To revenge. Not getting Lightning McQueen Crocs will be my villain origin story. To the unstable. Crocs conspiracy. There were no Lightning McQueen Crocs. Name one person who got a pair. It was all a lie. But Crocs did promise more in the future. But until then, you can score some on eBay for around 200 bucks. Who says memes don't pay? The famous or infamous disaster girl, a.k.a. Zoe Roth, has sold the original copy of her meme as a non-fungible token, or NFT, for nearly half a million dollars. How'd she do that? Through an auction where the winning bid was 100 Ether. What's that? I have no idea. What's an NFT? Non-fungible token? Again, I got nothing. But I do know that this little girl, evil smiling as a house burns in 2005, finally got her just rewards. Memes had her killing neighbors, killing parents for insurance, killing spiders, killing babysitters. So congrats, Zoe. The long game paid off. <laughs>
Not only are you a half a million dollars richer, 16 years later, you're our meme of the week. That concludes this week's Memory Wipe. Please subscribe to the show on YouTube. Click the bell icon and get notified when we have a new show. Look for the audio version of the show on Apple Podcasts and your favorite podcatchers. You can follow us on Twitter at Memory Wipe and on Instagram at Morning Memory Wipe. Send your emails and cupcake gift cards to morningmemorywipe at gmail.com. Thanks for watching our very first show. And remember, if we didn't talk about it, you don't need to remember it.